Welcome to the Healthy Insider Podcast, where we help supplement and functional food brands create better products. Today's host is Heather Granado, Vice President of Content. Well, hello and welcome to the Healthy Insider Podcast. As we kick things off, I mean, 2020 has been really unprecedented in terms of global disruption that has affected us personally and professionally across business and industry. And we've really had to find new ways to accomplish our goals and to collaborate. Certainly in the supplement space, it's meant identifying ways to fulfill our regulatory requirements like audits or testing, GMP compliance, um, but ensuring that every person who is involved in those aspects understands responsibilities. So I'm really pleased that we are helping to promote NSF International's Quality and Regulatory Digital Week, which is taking place the first week of August 2020. And it was designed with the global nutraceutical industry in mind, with different courses delving into particular aspects of regulatory compliance. So my guest today is John Travis, who is Senior Research Scientist at NSF International. Welcome, John. Hi, Heather. I'm glad to be here. Thank you. I noted in your bio, you've got more than 25 years of experience as an analytical chemist. And during this virtual week, digital week, you'll actually be leading one of two parts of a training course on botanical identification and testing. So I'd love to start talking out a bit about why the issue of botanical identification still garners so much interest across the global supplement space. Wow, that that's a huge question. There are... <laughs> So, I mean, there's so many different regulatory frameworks throughout the world, and and it's everyone has to comply with them, especially the larger organizations that sell across multiple borders and such as that. But one common theme amongst all of the regulatory um, frameworks is they all strive to have safe food supplements or nutritional supplements, as we call them here in the U.S. So that is a common theme. And one thing that you need to know is that you have what you purchased. I mean, how can you know your product's safe if you don't, if you're not receiving what you purchased? Mm -hmm. And I know we've seen this over the years where a botanical may look similar to something else uh, in its regular state, but then you get two types of powder or two types of extracts poses a lot of challenges, I'm guessing, in terms of identification. Yeah, right. I mean, so I think if you speak with any manufacturers, even our experience has been, we don't trade in botanicals, we trade in powder. So it's so much, it's really, it's white powder, brown powder, green powder. That's everything is either extracted or ground just because it, it, make, it, it makes transportation and moving a product simpler. So that being said, we have, we have all become analytical chemists in some form or fashion to be able to help identify these powders. It's interesting, then, you have to make sure that you would have the right test, I'm sure, to uh, identify not just the material, but any kind of actives that might be in there for the particular extraction that you're looking at. Lots of complicated ins and outs. Yeah, it's, it's all about fitness for purpose for what you're trying to do. You have an objective you're trying to accomplish, and then you design your testing schemes to meet that objective. So during this pandemic, one of the things that has been so challenging is the disruption across the supply chain. So you've had challenges in terms of harvest or production, uh, impact on transportation and shipping, in-person audits, and much more. So I'd like your perspective on the pressure that that has put on the supply chain and why that may even increase the importance of testing botanical materials. 
Yeah, in my opinion, it puts tremendous pressure on supply chain because um, when you have supply shortages and things of that nature, it's, it's been borne out in the past. For instance, when we had the hurricanes in Florida and there was a shortage in the salt palmetto market of salt palmetto product, we saw adulteration adulterated products start to enter the marketplace. Whenever you have something like that occur, I think it just invites people who who um, have fewer scruples to to try to um, I don't know, game the system. It was actually exactly the term that came to mind, gaming the system. Unfortunately, that comes at a, a great price to consumer health and you know the efficacy of these products. And certainly, I guess that's the reason that it's so important that people do put in place robust testing programs that use fit for purpose tests. Right. And even in, so in this day too, where we're at right now, um, it's critical to actually increase what you're doing just because of the risk that is in the marketplace, especially. So for instance, there's been, um, reports out there of shortages on the elderberry extract market. So anyone who's purchasing elderberry extract or even you should really increase what you're doing at your vigilance as far as testing, um, trying to monitor your supply chain as best you can. Mm -hmm. And that I'm sure has a connection in with using qualified vendors. So companies hopefully had done their vendor qualification and auditing in advance. Additional Thoughts on that? Yeah, so there's that aspect, and that that's fantastic. But what, I think what's happening is when there's a shortage, people automatically say, well, we can't get this ingredient. So, well, we don't have this vendor qualified. We can use this vendor in an emergency. So they may not have done all the qualification work on this vendor, or they may go completely outside the system. So we have to be aware when you do something like that, you you can't do your standard test battery. Or if you have, let's say you had doing skip lot testing, well, it's probably not advisable to do skip lot testing on an only partially qualified vendor. That makes sense, yes. When you're looking at something that may have a risk of adulteration, like elderberry as an example right now, are there particular testing methods that you want to use? Do you look and say, ah, if we're concerned about adulteration, here are some potential adulterants that I might test for separately? Yeah, you probably want to do a couple of different analytical techniques. Being really the more selective, the testing, it gives you more information, but that is inversely proportional to how much that testing costs to execute. Mm -hmm. So just doing a simple UV analysis or a visible analysis and measuring its absorbance and say, well, it, it, the spectra, UV spectrum looks the same and I'm getting this number, so it must be it. Well, it doesn't tell you the whole picture because the compound, the substance is in there. You can have synthetic dyes that you could put in there that have the same UV absorbance and if you don't, if you're not looking for that, you would never know. Interesting. So if you had to call out maybe three steps that every manufacturer or purchaser of materials should have in place to make sure that the botanical ingredients that they're buying meet the quality specs, what would those be? So the first thing is set an excellent quality spec know what you're doing and setting the spec because what you will do after that is only as good as, as the initial specification. So for instance, let's go, let's go a different route here. Let's go to the ginkgo. So ginkgo, mm -hmm. well known, it's Mark Blumenthal has spoken and Stefan Gaffner have spoken ad nauseum about, about the, the ginkgo market and what's 
been occurring for I don't for as long as I've been in the industry with Ginkgo. So know your spec. So know when you're setting your Ginkgo spec. If it's a 24-6 Ginkgo, that's fine. But know that, hey, this Ginkgo should have less than 2% Sephora. So you would look for genistein in there and look for, you don't you don't want it to be fortified with um, just straight rutin or straight quercetin. So set a spec, like, when you test it without hydrolysis, it does not have these compounds in it. So be cognizant of what is potentially adulterating your product and set your specifications so that you can test to make sure it doesn't have those things in it. Fantastic. Yeah, the quality spec consideration, um, I'm sure, would tie directly in with the type of test. And then I'm sure that you would need trained personnel to be able to run those tests. Right. Or, I mean, if, if in lieu of that, you don't even have to have your own facility, but you the, the same process for qualifying a third-party testing lab for, for your brand. Mm -hmm. So go in audits, and I know it's hard to audit these days, but um, go in go talk to the, the lab in person, see what they're, make sure they even have a lab. If you walk in the door and you just see, you just see a little cube and, and a computer and a bunch of copy machines and fax machines, I'm sure that's not a lab. That brings up that issue of dry labbing that we've heard kind of peaks and valleys over the years, right. but uh, certainly in this type of situation, I'm guessing you may see a, a few more of those copy machines out there. Right. Just like you have unscrupulous suppliers, you probably have unscrupulous labs too. So make sure that you qualify your labs. Right. What are some other things that our uh, listening audience may be uh, expecting to hear from you during this training course? So my aspect of it, we're going to talk a lot about the analytical chemistry method. So we'll talk about the different techniques and their strengths and weaknesses and how you can use them alone or in conjunction with other techniques to help bolster your botanical identification testing. Okay, fantastic. So that's taking place uh, August 6th and 7th, correct? Yes. Okay, and and any other takeaways, issues of, of why, why someone should tune in and uh, get this additional training right now? So one thing that I really have been delving into is the um, fit for purpose of some of the lower cost testing, for instance, using FTIR or NIR or even HPTLC, which is has a little more footing in the industry. But some of these other techniques that are newer, lower cost to use, I'm going to speak about the strengths and weaknesses of them and what you can do to actually improve their performance. So that is something I think a lot of vendors would be interested in. Okay. Optimizing what you put in and getting the right results out. Exactly. Fantastic. Well, John, thank you again for taking the time out to talk about this. Certainly looking forward to additional insights about uh, botanical testing and identification. And for our listeners, if you're seeking more information on this course or to register, you can visit nsf.org or check the link on our homepage. Thanks again for joining me, John. Thank you, Heather. Bye now. Thank you for listening to a Healthy Insider Podcast, now available on Apple Podcasts or through Google Play. Subscribe now to never miss an episode.